Tonight on This Is Final Tap, William Blake and the Eternals, wishing on a toilet roll, drifting in a song, and living with a gun in your hands. Oh, my friend, I see you. Watch it to come through. Oh, yeah, the standing at the shadows. What the street lights In 1948, Columbia Records introduced the 33 and a third RPM long player record. One year later, RCA Victor introduced the 45 RPM single. Listeners now had a choice, only the hits or the full album. In the last half of the 60s, the best bands realized the potential of the longer format and began to build a cohesive body of music that must be heard unbroken. The arrival of downloadable music has increased the temptation to stay in the shallow end with the hits. This podcast believes every album tells a story. Tonight, we tell one of those stories. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, Doing things slightly differently tonight, uh, which we do from time to time. I'm going to take lead. This is uh, your co-host for This is Vinyl Tap, Tony Slagle. And I'd like to say hi to the other guys. Uh, Our host, Doug Cooper. Hello. And our um, producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe. Hello, everybody. Again, from Estes Park, Colorado. Yes, you're coming back to the promised land, I believe, tomorrow, right? Or heading this way, at least. Yes, I'll be coming back to the state uh, tomorrow evening. I'll be back in uh, spending the night in Dalhart, Texas. Shout out to everyone in Dalhart. The ding dong daddy. That's no, right. That's Dumas. No, that's oh, that Dumas. is Dumas. That is Dumas. You're right. That's Dumas, you're right. I should know. <laughs> yeah, that. you're right. Don't there. be, don't be such a Dumas, Doug. <laughs> he was a fine author. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so tonight we're going to be talking about uh, a, an album by Van Morrison, Veed and Fleece. And all I have to say is, here we go again, guys. Another album that uh, is, I guess, inspired by a. a <laughs> a failed marriage. <laughs> we seem to have a knack for picking these, right? Yeah, a, In this case, it's Van Morrison's marriage to Janet Rigsby. Um, I don't know, guys. I sense an unhealthy pattern here. Well, it's Beat on Fleece is the album that we're talking about tonight. It's Van right. Morrison's, what, seventh album, studio album? Yeah. And, and let's yeah, just. Album that was made after Hard Knows the Highway. And I would just like to come clean tonight with everybody listening and just let let them know that um, I am the reason I'm leading the talk tonight is I am not the expert that these two guys are on Van Morrison. I couldn't even be really be called an amateur when it comes to Van Morrison. Um, but these guys are, are the experts. And you must hear four albums by Van Morrison. You've what's that? Tonight. Mysteriously, you own four albums by Van Morrison. I do. Pretty close to this period of time that we're talking about the same time to this album. Yeah. I think three Tony, of them prior to this, but um, I think I know what the problem is. What's that, Doug? 
Did you think that Van Morrison was American? No. No, I'll tell you, I, I'll tell you what the deal is. Um, I respect this guy a lot. I love his voice. Um, and when I listen to him, I'm enthralled. But for some reason, I never feel like I, I it never pops in my head. Hey, I want to put a Van Morrison album on. I don't know why. Um, it's kind of a spiritual thing. Maybe. So, um, so I knew nothing about this album coming into it at all um, tonight. Um, I do have a question for you, though, Doug, because I think you were the one that picked this. Um, and this may be a question that most of the people who are listening to this are going to ask. Why are we talking about this album in particular? Tony, I'm glad you asked that question. <laughs> there's there's a number of reasons I'm going to get. I'm going to get rid of the huge gorilla in the room first. Uh, why are y'all not covering Astral Weeks, his critical masterpiece? If I ventured in the slipstream Between the viaducts of your dream Where my world steel rims crack And the dead center back road stop Could you find me? Or would you? Kiss of my eyes, laying it down. Well, Astral Weeks is an amazing album. It may be his best album. It probably is his best album. But there's no need for anyone else to tell everybody what a great album that is. It is so well known. It's like uh, Pet Sounds. It's the album everybody talks about as being his critical achievement. And it is. It is. I think it's my I think Astral Weeks is my favorite album of all. But really? Yeah. I don't think we need anyone else to to talk about that album. Uh, Yeah. I'm sure that everybody else that has a podcast that does uh, music like this has already talked about Astral Weeks. Then the second question is, oh, I love Moondance so much, especially (laughs) Into the Mystic. It's so spiritual, but not religious. I just totally love it. We were born before the wind. Also younger than the sun. Yeah, the Bonnie boat was one. Moondance sold three million copies uh, in the United States alone. Everybody knows Moondance is a fantastic album. So we didn't need to talk about that. And the, the final thing is this album's better than the others that are that came out during this magical Van Morrison period where he's incredibly prolific. And I'm 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 talking about his first album. Uh, I'm going to cut that off. Blow your mind. That was that was kind of a collection of singles. Um, it really didn't qualify. And then you go through this period of records from Astral Weeks to Vinden Fleece, where everything he touches is gold. It's incredibly original. It's one of the most remarkable decades of anybody's career. And well, uh, Vinden Fleece comes at the end of that, 
and it's yeah. kind of the highlight. It yeah. well, it makes sense too to to yeah, it makes sense to say the end of that because he didn't what if I if I uh, recall he didn't release anything after this album for what three years or so. Yeah, he was uh, pretty distraught over his divorce, and he was just kind of uh, trying to figure out where the hell he was going to live, and um, you know, well, he was he's kind of coming up too. Well, I was just going to say, I just want to get this out, this cleared up. What you're saying is this: we didn't pick this album so that you and JM could uh, prove your Van Morrison bona fides by picking an album that no one else talks about and make it kind of a big deal. You're talking about this for very obvious reasons. And I think you, I think what you said makes sense. There's no reason to beat those other horses when other people are already beating them. We try to provide more. <laughs> we try to provide, we try to inform and provide uh infotainment here that others are not engaged in so if so we're gonna serious too <clears throat> so if there's a there's a, a a thing that i want to a couple of things i want to mention before we start talking about the album itself this was the period as doug was saying i think it's most you know prolific fallow period that he he probably had and there's albums that i really really like after this album but there are the albums tupelo honey Band and Street Choir uh, and St. Dominic's Preview. As we gaze out on, 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 St. Dominic's Preview. St. Dominic's Preview. There's not a clunker on any of those albums. Now, this is where Doug and I disagree. That's not just a disagreement. This is our <laughs> perennial greatest disagreement of all times. Doug and I get along very well, when it, especially musically. But this is the album where Doug and I have the, the greatest argument. Hard Nose the Highway to me, I think, is, is the album that was the studio album that was made just before this one. And I think it's one of a, a a big mess. I think that there's a couple of good songs on it, but I think that they're way overdone. They they, they just get away. It seems to me that Van Morrison just kind of let him. He just got away from himself on this one. I think he learned some lessons because if you listen to Beaten Fleece, it seems like he scaled back. It's much less indulgent than Hard Nose. Well, I, I don't know Hard Hard Nose the Highway, but uh, even though I own it, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which we've established, but there's some indulgent qualities to this stuff uh, that we're talking about tonight. I think. Well, I think this is he got to getting back to the astral weeks every review you read of this album astral weeks right. comes up in the first paragraph it so does they talk about it back to his mystical yeah, boom, boom. exactly yeah i i, I do want to say uh real quick before we get into some other kind of meaty stuff um when this album, I, I i love this when this album came out in 75 rolling stone like panned it 
And I, I just want to read this quote. It says, uh, coming from anyone else, Veden Fleece would merely be an embarrassment. Coming from Van Morrison, it seems more like another aberration in the fitfully inspired career. Uh, it seems more like an a- another aberration of fitfully inspired career. Now, what's interesting about that quote from 1975 is just last year, that very same magazine named this album a must-have. So, <laughs> well, that comes up all the time with Rolling Stone magazine. And I've always had a lot of contempt for uh, Rolling Stone critics. Um, and 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 some of them are good and some of them are bad. All of them are stoners. So... Um, <laughs> David Frick is, I think, David really, Frick's the greatest. Uh, he's great. He's really the only one. Uh, David Wilde's pretty good. Grill Marcus, I like. But uh, having said all that, I do have to say that they do a much better job with 10 years between them and the topic. And <laughs> they also, you know, a lot of, a lot of my record buying has been guided by the Rolling Stone record review that I had during my teenage years on the toilet in my bathroom. And that explains, that, dista- that explains your distaste for Rush. <laughs> well, the second edition that of was Rolling natural. Stone. Yeah, the second edition of the Rolling Stone record guide. That's the blue one. Even right? if you don't. Yeah, that's the second. So there's no, there's a new one. The new one came out in the it's early nineties. It's but it's not anywhere near as good. The first one's okay, but the second edition of the Rolling Stone Record Guide, you you should read it even if you don't like music because some of the reviews are just hilarious and uh, but most of them are very insightful. I, I found it the best of uh, it's probably the, the best review of records I've ever read. I could read anything in it even if I don't like the band or know anything about the band the greatest thing that it did for me was it kept me from buying records that i thought i would like uh, and uh i saw how they were panned or poorly reviewed and decided not to and that that's probably saved me hundreds of dollars (laughs) the other the other interesting thing about this album is how many people when they talk about it talk about uh all the deeper meaning in the songs and what the songs are about. And I find this extremely amusing because Van Morrison himself has said, uh, famously said he had no idea what this album was about. <laughs> yeah. People so, kept asking, what does beat on fleece mean? And he said, I have absolutely. I don't no know. Idea. Yeah. I just think it's funny that all these people put all this. And I guess that's music, you know, it's, it's but subjective. You, you, put, um, you already talked about Van Morrison's voice, which I think is, uh, I just, tonight I listened to him. Uh, singing just like a woman by Bob Dylan. And he, he made me understand that song so much better than when Bob Dylan sang it. He has a voice that is extremely expressive. And Oh yeah. That's on. I, I tell you, when I listen to him sing on uh, too late to stop now, His voice is at peak form. And on this album, it's in really good form. And not only is it in really good form, is he's got some guts now to try to do some crazy things with it. And he does on this album. <laughs> And yeah. he uh, 
he pulls it off. But the main thing about Van Morrison is he should not be confused with a songwriter. Yeah. He is a uh, portal. He is a (laughs) portal through which music comes from wherever it lives before it's recorded. And that is evident even, I, I mean, even late in his career. He is just opening up and letting this stuff forth. I call him silver because that's the most conductive element of all. And I feel but, like. Uh, yeah. Aren't you the guy in, in past episodes that has talked about how one of the first things you do is pull out a lyrics sheet and start looking to find out what the song's about. I, it's difficult to do with this stuff. It is, but these songs are about things. It's um, it, I, I tell you, it's like an impressionistic painting. Mm-hmm. You can say that's not what it looks like, but you know what it is. I got gotcha. you. The point here isn't, I mean, let's just take the first song, for example. That's a guy wandering around with a new love. And it reminds me of a, a phrase I always heard a preacher say, you spill what you carry. So you better have a clean heart, because if it's not clean, you're going to spill what you're carrying in your mind. And that's what Van Morrison does is he's walking across a field and that bucket he's carrying is filled with whatever books he's reading, whoever he's been listening to, whoever he's in love with and wherever he is. And this is this is just all that stuff spilling out on the ground in this in this song. That's an interesting take. Um, Does that mean we're getting into the album or do we want to talk about some other things first? Well, we got I think we need to put this a little bit Jay more probably would like a chance to apologize for not liking uh <laughs> hard nose the highway hard nose the highway all right so let's put a, let's put a little bit in perspective so van morrison was born in the around belfast ireland uh northern ireland yes, and he's, uh, he's an orangeman he's an orangeman yeah so he, then he uh goes in and uh, starts playing with the band called them start touring the uh the pretty much all of europe and they start having some some minor hits uh with gloria and then they have a hit with here comes the night which was covered by a lot of different bands so is gloria they bust up in uh around 1967 and van morrison comes to the United States and works with this uh, guy named Burtis Downs, who basically uh, wants to totally turn him into a hit machine, uh, wants to kind of ride the, the them coattails and kind of turn him into this pop star. And of course, everybody knows who Van Morrison is. You know, knowing Van Morrison, that's not really who he is. He kind of disavows this period, but it did have a this. Uh, Partnership did produce a huge hit, um, Brown Eyed Girl. A brown eyed girl. You, my brown eyed girl. 
us to sing. Sha la 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 Just like that. And then Van Morrison was not real happy with the whole album. And uh, that album, I guess, the, I think there were 20 something songs recorded for that. And it's been released so many different, packaged in so many different ways. Those songs have been packaged in so many different ways. Van Morrison hates all of them. Uh, except I did see him one time in uh, Los Angeles and he did do uh, Brown Eyed Girl. But uh, that's the only time I've ever seen him do anything from that period. Can, can, um, we, pa- can we pause for a minute? And yeah. I, I need I need you guys to explain to me. Uh, I, I never quite have understood um, an artist having disdain for a song that brought them <laughs> immense fame, and and not a song, not a bad song. I don't know that he dislikes the song. I think he disliked the the album and a lot of the other things they recorded. Well, I've, yeah. I've heard, I've heard that he, you know, that he does not like playing certain things and he, he calls them, you know, on stage, he'll say now that I get this crap out of the way or whatever. And, and so yeah. that seems to me that he does have some disdain for that stuff. I, and there are other artists that do that. I just don't well, quite get, I don't quite get that. You probably like, um, Jimmy Buffett's version of Brown Eyed Girl better. <laughs> I, I dislike Jimmy Buffett so much. I can't even <laughs> tell you how much I dislike Jimmy Buffett. Um, the, uh, I, I can no see how, I could see how, how, uh, 60 year old guy would not want to get up there and sing the teeny bopper hit. I I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with someone wanting to play their new music or saying, I don't want to, I don't want to keep regurgitating stuff. Cause as a, as a musician, that's gotta be boring, you know, going up there and saying the same. It doesn't fit him anymore. I think about that big fat guy with a hat on growing up, making love (laughs) in the green grass behind the stadium. That was cute when you were 16, but you'd be a dirty old man now. So 1968 hits, he gets a album deal with Warner Brothers Records. And uh, for reasons nobody is completely sure of, he gets to make this album called Astral Weeks. He makes it in 48 hours. He brings in some of the greatest jazz musicians in the New York area. Among them, uh, Rich Davis, fantastic bass player, also plays with uh, played on... Um, Meeting Across the River by Bruce Springsteen on uh, Warren to Run. He did also has Connie Kay on it. I believe he has Milt Jackson on it. Uh, it's a just a fantastic album made in 45, 48 hours. Their story goes that he just stood or sat in a vocal booth with his acoustic guitar and just started playing and everyone had to kind of, you know, Jump fill on. in around huh. um and so that that's a fantastic album he then proceeds to make moon dance uh mary he's about well, to get kicked out of the united states so he marries a woman named uh janet what's her last name rigsby janet rigsby who goes by the name janet planet and <laughs> <laughs> it was his girlfriend at the time and he was about to get deported so uh it was more a marriage of convenience than than anything else but well we ought to it, point out that she's good looking yeah, she is good looking you can see her on the cover of tupelo honey and they did produce a daughter shannon morrison who um is a fine singer and songwriter in her own right um and so then he produced he makes uh 
follows it up with a uh, band and street choir and St. Dominic's preview, which has one of the greatest Van Morrison songs ever written. St. Dominic's preview. He moves out to the West coast, lives in Los Angeles and he and Janet planet are having some problems and he decides he wants to take a vacation and he goes to Ireland, but because of the troubles, he can't go to Northern Ireland. So instead he tours Southern Ireland where he hasn't spent a whole bunch of time while he's on that vacation. He pictures that it was on the cover of beat on fleece where he's sitting in between two, uh, what is it? Irish hunting dogs or Irish wolfhounds. And they ain't uh, got no wolves in Ireland. <laughs> Not with dogs that size. Uh, yeah. So he wrote, so he started writing uh, a lot of the music that's for Veden Police on that vacation. And that's why this album, Veden Police, sounds so much like it's based in Ireland, even though it was recorded in, most of it was recorded in Los Angeles. And the other part, there were two songs that were recorded in New York, and a lot of the uh, overdubs happened in New York. Yeah, it it definitely sounds different than his other stuff um, from this period, to me at least. I mean, to an untrained Van Morrison ear, it sounds very different. It won't be until the 90s when he does this album with the Chieftains that he sounds this Irish again. All right. right. So we want to get going? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, do all right, so uh, yeah, we're gonna, gonna start with side one, song one, fair play. Fair play to you. Lined lakes are so blue, and the architecture I'm taking in with my mind so fast. the second longest song on the album doesn't feel very long to me though i i really i really like this song a lot um i'm surprised why well it's so jazzy i thought you you said that you don't listen to jazz that much and to me if you listen to this it sounds like a live recording from the village vanguard you you got uh you can hear background noise that they don't get out and Uh the uh, bass player sounds like a jazz bassist. I'll tell and, you why. I'll tell uh, you the why. The brushes, I like it, the brushes on the drum. Yeah. Go I'll, ahead. T- I, I'll tell you why I like it. It it it's a. I know. Again, we say this a lot. It's a great way to start an album because it sounds the song kind of. This is going to sound so pretentious, but it slowly sort of comes alive. It starts off slowly, and then it. And and I think a lot of that has to do with the piano in it, because to me, again, this sounds goofy, but I was thinking about what does the song sound like to me? And it sounds like someone's slowly pouring water out of a glass, you know, and like it just kind of gets it just gets a little louder and louder until it fades and there's no water in it. Um, I, I don't know why I just I, the first time I put this on being completely unfamiliar with it, I dug it immediately. Well, it is um, in my mind. A strange song to start the album with. I, yeah, I, 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 to me, it sounds 
like something that's obviously not a hit because it's <laughs> yeah. just too different from anything you would ever hear on the radio. Yeah. I could see kids hearing that on the radio thinking they were on the wrong station. <laughs> well, there, there's an ob, there's uh, there, when we get to there's an obvious song that I think and they put it as a single that was obviously what he thought of as the hit. But um, and what track is that? That's number one side two. That's right. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's a nice way to start the album. I understand what you're saying in terms of thinking about uh, that the commercialness of it because it's definitely not commercial at all. Um, but um, and and this may go partly to my issue with Van Morrison. And when I say issue, I don't mean I have any issues with him. Just my difficulty with him is um, it, this song. It took me a while to, even though I liked it immediately when I heard it, it took me a while to kind of just listen to it because it kept, I kept kind of, it kept fading into the background, if that makes any sense. Mm, it was yeah. on and it would fade into the background and I had to kind of consciously listen to it. Um, and that's when I, yeah. the piano hit me and I thought it was so, so just, you know, the piano is really great on it. Um, piano's great and, on uh, all the and 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 I, but uh, but I feel that I kind of think that may be my issue with Van Morrison in general is it's hard for me. I don't know why it's hard for me to get engaged with the song and be present with it. I'll put it on and then I kind of and then it just kind of fades into the background, um, which isn't always a bad thing. But um, that may be it may be explained why I'm not as as uh, well versed or into him as you guys are. Well, I think well, it's you know, the most second side song on the first side. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a great quote. It sounds <laughs> like everything that comes after bulbs. And this is one of the few songs I can remember him doing beforehand. I can't remember beforehand when he when he does this falsetto voice that he's doing right now. I can't think of an album where he does that falsetto voice before. Oh, there's one that came right before this that you probably don't ever listen to. <laughs> um no, you guys know, know where the title came from? I do. I think he just made it. He did not oh, make which it. Which one from? Play? Not not Veed and Fleece, Fair Play. No, I don't know where he got, came from. Doug? I do. It's a, it's a colloquialism that his friend Donald Croven uh, would use. And it's, we don't use that here. No, it's a fair play to you. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> I don't know. It sounds very British when you uh, when you hear it that way. Yeah, you probably yeah. shouldn't sing it on a hunting trip in West Texas. Yeah. The, uh, um, the, this is uh, it's it's good that it's for, I think it's bold that it's the first song on the album. And I don't have any problem with that. I just think it's unusual commercially that they would do that. But it does set the mood for the album because he's walking around Ireland and he is um, talking about what he's reading. He's with some girl that he, his fiance at this point, and uh, making goo goo eyes. And they're talking about the sights that they see. And it seems to me that his uh, travels through Ireland were like that of a newcomer that had not been there before. And I'm curious. I'm curious if he had much um, experience with Ireland outside of North Northern Ireland. Probably yeah. not. Probably yeah, not. Article I read that he he didn't. 
this was I don't big. think there was a whole lot of travel between the two. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. not like uh, Tony and I. Yeah. Uh, people can't tell that Tony is a Catholic and I'm a good Protestant and we get along so well. That's right. <laughs> That's absolutely right. I thought you were going to say it's not like you and I where people can't tell one's from North Austin and one's from South Austin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Central Austin, by the way. So that's Central. right anymore. You li- you don't so, even live in Austin. You're from Central <laughs> Liberty South Hill, Waco. whatever the hell that yeah. is. You're closer um, to Colorado than you are to Austin. That's right. I was the only one of y- born in Austin, so there. <laughs> um. All right. So the next song, uh, Lyndon Arden stole the highlights, is about a very pleasant subject. Lyndon Arden stole the highlights. What one hand tied behind his back Love the morning sun and whiskey Ran like water in his veins Love the golden church on Sunday Shall we, shall we talk about what the song's about? <laughs> Well, before we go into the, uh, yeah, what it's about, I, I this is one of my favorite Van Morrison songs. I just think it's absolutely beautiful. I uh, love the string arrangements on it. Um, and uh, we'll get into this a little bit later, but string Van Morrison's use of strings is just, I've always found them to be really original. They're, they're just not there to be background. They're, they're there to, uh, they actually kind of, do some very strange things. And you can even, and if you even listen to Astral Weeks, just some of the things, like I'm thinking of Sweet Thing, this, the, the way that those strings go nuts. And the, the strings on this one, I think, are just... Um, well, that's really, why it's not the Caledonian band. Yeah. <laughs> the Caledonian <laughs> Orchestra. And you're exactly right. Uh, I don't know who's in charge of telling those guys what to play. Yeah, but he nails it over and over again with strings. Yeah, they're never uh, overdone. They're never intrusive. It's like a chamber orchestra rather than big heavy orchestration. Mm-hmm. The uh, this begins the five song or excuse me the the four song round of what I call oh this is my favorite. And the reason I call it is because when Lyndon Arden stole the highlights comes on, I go, oh, this is my favorite. And then when who was that masked man comes out, I mean, oh, I meant this is my favorite. And it does that all the way until um, what people call the Well, we'll get there later. But the, the songs that come one after another, they they flow together extremely well. One of the things we should say, uh, since this is this is Vinyl Tap. This is definitely an album. This is a cohesive whole. Anybody that would try to pull a couple of tunes off of this and put it in a uh, a listening, uh, what do they call that thing that the kids have on Spotify? A playlist? playlist I, yeah. I would have serious problems with that. Because <laughs> this is a whole package. Well, yeah. and that may say something to why the single did nothing. <laughs> well, I think it does. 
even though that single does stick out like a sore thumb on it this, does it absolutely later. does but really so does. this song this song's about a guy i'm guessing he's irish because uh, what's the line whiskey ran like water in his veins that that screams I irish that highly me. offensive <laughs> no they keep they, he went to church on sunday even though he was a drinking man and then yeah it's just sounds like an irishman yeah. as a as, well, as an yeah. Irish guy in uh, San, Francisco. San Francisco. He's trying to put all of his. It's just like I said. He spills what he carries. He's been living in San Francisco. He's from Ireland. Now he's back in Ireland. So he's got this uh, outlaw with a good heart, except for the part about cleaving people's heads off with the hatchet. <laughs> um, yeah, that that kind of mars the good heart part, right? Yeah. Although the, it he was their it. it was their fault. It wasn't yeah. like he was looking for trouble, well, right? He was. They were trying to get on top of him. That's right. That's the way he says it. That That's may be right. another colloquialism. So he took the uh, long. Yeah, he's trying to get on top. I can't do it. I'm. I'm gonna do Scottish by accident, and all the <laughs> all the people over there are gonna write in about what jerks we are. So uh, <laughs> this song actually, I don't know if you guys knew this or not. It inspired a play. There's a really? play based on this song. Yeah, about and it's about a. Uh, a, cel- a, a, a Scottish American refugee f- uh, from the American drug wars of the 1980s, and he's uh, um, he's walking around. And he's being pursued by a mob that he betrayed in San Francisco. <laughs> I don't know where the guy gets that from. This, but anyway, yeah, we must have. Yeah. Drove Probably should just start from ahead. scratch if you're going to write that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's got the line. He loved the little children, which you. All the stuff he's like a they were his very oh, own. he loves those very own. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's just it's like uh, Gamera, the flying, <laughs> the flying turtle. turtle. Yeah, he's the friend of children everywhere, <laughs> and he might knock down yeah, a couple of office buildings every now and then, but <laughs> <laughs> he might cleave someone in the head with a hatchet. But uh, other than that, uh, <laughs> spins around. Actually, he's this taken is off probably the first. Podcasts that have connected uh, Lyndon Arden to uh, Gamera. Gamera. I think you're right. Again, those of you listening in our listening audience, we we aim to please. And James, you'll probably have to find the Gamera theme song uh, for, for that reference. <laughs> so, um, so the next this song is connected to the next song. Uh, who was that masked man? Because the the yeah. Lyndon Arden ends with. Uh, was it ends with uh, some someday it may get lonely, um, living, with a gun. Yeah. living with a gun, and then the, this one who who was that masked man starts off oh it ain't lonely when you're living with a gun. Right, and that's um, it's, that's we ought to point out that the reason we're experts is that um, <laughs> who was that mass man? Is uh, of course the Lone Ranger, who was of course a Texas Ranger. There you go. Who sur- was the sole survivor when his uh, group was wiped out? And uh, Van Morrison Stay was a huge, uh, huge Lone, Lone Ranger, Ranger fan. fan. Yep. So, yeah, he was. Uh, 
That's such a funny thing to think about. <laughs> I uh, I love the falsetto on this song. Mm-hmm. He pulls it off so well. It's, just, it's great. It does. It does. Well. It, it does. It doesn't sound corny. It fits the song really yeah. well. It's so, um, it's it's weird because most falsettos are retiring and weak, and yeah, this yeah. one's anything but. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just it's yeah. um I know he does it some more later, but I'm surprised he doesn't do it more than he does because this is so strong. It's not fair. Yeah. The guy's got two great voices. Yeah. Well, I, I think I don't remember which of you said this that uh is uh he's I think it might have been JM just that his confidence in his voice on this album really shows, you yeah. know. Yeah, it does. Um and on the live album before it. Yeah, I think, and it's it's surprise. One of the things is that a lot of the people that are in that Caledonia, what is it, something orchestra, are on this album, and I think that that just kind of produced this. Um, like David, David Hayes, the bass player. We gotta get some props. David Hayes, the bass player. He played on a lot of Van Morrison albums throughout the years, and he's an expert upright bass player. Expert. Um, uh, electric bass player. Um, I, don't you think the upright bass gives a lot of flavor to this album? Yes, I do very much. I think it's a, uh, very is that a nice thing that Doug has said about a bass? <laughs> it's Holy about the cow. bass, not the bass player. <laughs> Even though David Hayes is, is remarkable. Yeah. And I knew this was going to happen on this album and I, I shouldn't have picked it for this reason alone but the bass playing on this album is fascinating i could listen to nothing but the bass holy it's just that cow good. yeah he is a first, folks <clears throat> yep all right next song on the list number four on side one is streets of arclo or arclow i'm not sure how to say it. i'm guessing it's arclo and as we Every time this album, this song comes on, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm mesmerized. It's, it's long, you know, it's, um, I, from what I can tell, it's just basically about walking around on some streets in, in Southern Ireland. It's, uh, it's the, it's funny. Um, it's the same topic as, uh, fair play, which is light. This sounds like it's about, um, the the destruction of a uh, a, a culture by yeah. evil uh, settlers or something it is it, it does not sound like he and his uh, fiance are walking through a town of thirteen thousand in uh, in the eastern part of uh, Ireland and and, yeah. and there's nothing you look at pictures of the town there's nothing to give you any idea that this is appropriate. Except it's named after Vikings, so uh, yeah. maybe maybe a couple of Vikings jumping off the ship wielding 
axes and taking and cleaving people's heads off. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a weird. It's one of those weird ones where the the music and the the content don't really match that well. He's just walking around I, and pre- appreciating stuff. That's a lot of this album is just walking around. I appreciate that. I appreciate this. I appreciate this book I'm listening to. I appreciate that guy that my dad used to play on the um, telethumping. What was it? Yeah. <laughs> on the uh, radio when I was a kid. Yeah. A couple of things I want to say about it is uh, I love the, there's kind of a call and response going on between the piano and the uh, guitar. Well, the guitar at one point, and then the strings. There's mm-hmm. a couple of just the the strings do something, and the piano does does something, and the piano will do something, and the strings will echo it. The piano will do something, and the guitar will echo it. Um, just really well arranged. I don't understand how they did it. It's just I'm, I'm uh, sure it you was. You know, they did it. They did some of these um, tracks were uh, like the guy with the recorder playing on. Uh, County Fair, he said he only got one shot at it, and he had never heard the song until he was hearing it. He had to play it while hearing it, and that was his only, only, yeah. So that it's it's uh, it's like a again, it's like a jazz session with everybody just coming in and doing their deal. Uh, This this song has that wonderful acoustic guitar. Uh, It reminds me of the another album we were. We uh, reviewed uh, Jackson Brown um, when we did uh, for every man. For every man, how the acoustic guitar just makes that album so pleasant to listen to. Yeah. The same thing happens here. Okay, moving on to the last song inside one. This is, I guess, the biggie, right? People talk about this being kind of the uh, the centerpiece of the album. You don't pull no punches, but you don't push the river. Don't pull no punches. Don't push a river. You don't pull no punches. And you don't push the river. Um, longest song on the album. Almost nine minutes. Um I've never I never knew it was eight minutes long. I I just because I've See I I, I feel the exact opposite. I think it's, I don't mind the song, but it feel whereas Fair Play, the second longest song on the album, doesn't feel long to me. This song feels like eight minutes and 51 seconds. Well, it's indicative of some of the stuff he's done before, but I, I think it's also kind of foreshadowing of some of the things he's going to do in the future. And I'm thinking of uh, stuff off of No Guru, No Method, No Teacher. Now we're thinking the same thing. We took Sounds a lot like what's to come on that. This is a song that many people say this is the highlight of his career, not just the album. 
but they yeah. definitely consider it this the uh, cornerstone of this album and yeah. uh, <clears throat> it is remarkable and one of the one of the things that does it similar to no guru and no method and no teacher is that he lays down a chord progression and a groove that all of these instruments can jump in and out of yeah. to great effect. They really do some some wonderful things. Say, I just must not be as sophisticated as the two of you guys because I I um I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of wind blown at this song. To be honest with you. We respect your right to be wrong. I love it. I mean, um, and this is a song that has the vend and fleece in it. Right. That's where the title comes from. And uh, nobody knows what that means. One of the things that Van Morrison is is expert at is making people who think they know what his songs are about look stupid. Well, and that's yeah. That, that was my point. <laughs> that was my point in the beginning when I was saying all these people talk about what all these songs are, and he has famously said, "I don't know what these songs are about." I mean, yeah, they they have a they have a story to them, but I mean, this is a lot of stream of consciousness stuff going on here. As it you is. said, it's kind of this stuff just pouring out of him. I love. I mean, I'll be honest with you. To give you props, that was a really, uh, I think, a pretty great way to describe um, what he's doing here. Uh, on and what he does and and it is funny that people you know um they end up they end up looking a bit foolish i think well there's there are some themes here one of them is people looking for ultimate truth and ultimate um a, a transcendent uh finale uh i think that's and you know the the yeah. golden fleece that jason and the argonauts went looking for i think definitely is in his subconscious somewhere and choosing this name. And I think then this, you're right. Mm-hmm. This gestalt uh, therapy, which is extremely interesting. And I think if you, you know, the you don't push the river is from a book on gestalt uh, therapy. Uh, you don't push the river oh. because it's going to flow anyway, is the ah. title of the book. Okay. But, that doesn't explain yeah. you don't pull no punches. But another thing about this all, uh, therapy is confrontation, confrontation with yourself and for a therapist, confrontation with the patient and uh, you let them have it. <laughs> so yeah. that may be what's going on here is uh, you let them have it and it, but you don't push what doesn't need to be pushed. Um now, I'm probably just signed up for the latest guy who's been made into an idiot trying to interpret a Van Morrison song. But but, but then again, as I said earlier, you know, maybe that's the, the I mean, while, while he doesn't know what these songs are about, um, as you said, they do have some themes to them. Maybe that's the whole point is it's subjective. You get what you get out of it, what you want. Well, good art does make people feel like um, they're a participant. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think most of these songwriters a lot of them say they don't know what's about um, to avoid explaining uh, yeah. stuff that yeah. may be too personal or maybe they don't like anymore. But this yeah. is where we get the yeah. William Blake and the Eternals. It is. And the Sister of Mercy. I feel exhausted <laughs> when this one is over. I, I feel like all of side one has just okay. put me on. I'm the opposite of. Well, but one thing I have to say that I understand what Tony, if you're trying to bebop down the road on the way to work and listen to this album, 
that's the wrong place for this. This well, album, turn yeah, off the lights, so sit in your most comfy chair. Yeah, and I and I think um, I think that may be um, mm-hmm. maybe the problem with me discovering it the way I did was because I don't own it on vinyl. I was listening to it on you know um, streaming the whole album. Um, it, it you know there's some, when I when I put on a record there's something about putting it on that I don't want to I I get engaged in it so I well, think. Um, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. But uh, luckily for you, when we flip the side the side over to side two, you've got a song you can't be bopped down the road to, right? It's a song song one on side two, Bulbs. Down the batteries, I'm corroded. And the hundred watt bulb just flew. Hey, hey. That's right. And uh, something interesting about this song is uh, if any of y'all are ever unfortunate enough to uh, be with me and, and JM uh, when we're drinking beer and we have guitars around, this song gets played every <laughs> single time, mostly because we like going. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. What's up with yeah. that grunting stuff going on in there? Well, who did he grow up listening to? can grunt. And get away with it more than Van Morris. He grew up listening to uh, his dad's oh. Louis Armstrong records, which naturally leads to grunting. Scat. Oh. <laughs> and then, yeah, he's making uh, music with his mouth, and he's probably trying to imitate someone. And something that well, makes Van Morrison so original is he's such a poor imitator. That whenever he tries to imitate someone, he comes up with something brand new. Look, I, 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 I can't really comment on on someone trying to scat because, the, you know, the famous story about Bob Wills is him doing the, the sort of calls he used to do is the record producer at their first session said, you can't do that. And he said, OK, I'm packing up. Let's go, boys. He's OK, never mind. You can't do it. So maybe maybe. And I've never found what he does at all distracting i just found that because i like this song a lot i found it odd the, the grunts in the middle of it but it you know it doesn't yeah. it's not it's not doesn't take away from the pleasure of the song well if um, you're yeah. what, what you'll understand then is have you ever heard bob wills when he doesn't make comments yeah it's distracting yeah you're going what the hell where's the well, you guys you guys you guys <laughs> probably you guys since you're big um probably know this that the song was actually recorded for hard nose the highway with different lyrics yeah is that right yeah and he, he didn't like the way it sounded um, i would love to hear those lyrics because yeah. i've been tormented by this song since <laughs> i first heard it because i have no explanation i know i know that it's about immigrating and, but i want to know what blew a fifty watt or what blew a fifty watt fuse <laughs> and then uh, the fifty watt bulb and uh, they got a fuse and a bulb blowing. I've had every kind of theory. Stand, standing like, in was, the shadows. <laughs> uh, yeah. What screams down the alleyway? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking, the okay, sh- it's a hot rod that's <laughs> that he, that somebody sold 
and it's down to America. It's an amp. It's a great amp that we used to play at this club or at Miss Lucy's, and you could hear it all the way down the alley, and it blew a it blew a bulb. Um, it's um, just it's tormented me. Can we all agree yeah. that this song sort of stands out from the rest of the album? It doesn't. It, it, so. it doesn't fit. It's it's yeah. It's almost like uh, throwing throwing people a bone that he knew might have a little difficulty with the rest of it. Yeah. So uh, there's a, a couple of things about this this song and the next one. Supposedly, this is the one of the ones that was recorded in New York. Yeah, it's a and, whole different group of musicians. That's yeah, so different group of musicians. Up. Yeah, they Got pedal steel on it. Yeah, well, well that's not a bad not, thing. It's actually. It's actually an electric guitar. He never had heard the excuse me. He had never heard the song. The guitar player had never nobody in the That's an electric guitar that pulling session. that off. Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, and that that guy is he had never heard the song. Everything that you're hearing is just him uh just jamming, just just like figuring out what what to do. And uh yeah, John it's got Jeff. Okay. Yeah. It's got and Jeff Levy's um, is on yeah. it as well. This is he was the piano player and he did the. So this was recorded at the end of the of the. Uh, this is the last two songs recorded for the album, and that's where all the string arrangements and everything came in. Um, he did all the 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 strings and but uh, this was recorded. Yeah, this was just kind of an extemporaneous thing that he did in the next song as well, cul-de-sac. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it, this is something that I think that Van Morrison does. Doug touched on this, but I think Van Morrison creates a groove better than, than just about any other musician that just kind of, uh, it, it's almost a James Brown kind of thing, but it's just so much more laid back. It's not so tight. Um, it's so inviting for uh, musicians to come put a lead down. Yeah, yeah. And this Even one if, is a little bit like, uh, it reminds me a little bit of the things on Tupelo Honey with the, yeah. a little bit of a country sound. Mm -hmm. it, it would fit on that album much better than it fits on this one. It really well, it doesn't. Was. It doesn't fit on this album. It's a great song, but it definitely stands out because of that. The rest of the album sort of, you know, it's more laid back, more kind of pastoral, meandering. This song is not any of that at all. Not at all. One thing that's important is she is leaving on Pan American, right? So many of the lyrics that I looked up said leaving for an American or leaving for America. No, it's Pan-American. Yeah, I noticed a lot when you look up the lyrics. Oh, really? People, I didn't know. I thought it was like the, for America. People get, the, uh, people get the lyrics wrong on this a lot. <laughs> and what, you know, it's, it happens with all of his songs. And one of the reasons is I'm sure he refuses to write them down. Yeah. And uh, the other reason is, I don't know if y'all know about this, but people in Ireland... They don't have Americans to help them learn to speak English, and they come up with this uh, strange accent. <laughs> they don't even have, uh, I mean, it's bad enough uh, that they don't have Americans, but they, they don't have Texans. They, they don't have Texans that teach them how to speak without an accent. Um, <laughs> well, they definitely can't, uh, they have trouble with the THs a lot. Yeah. 
So, um, song two on the second side is actually, I don't know if this surprises you or not, Doug. This is my favorite song on the album, Cul-de-Sac. That surprises me. Why is that? Because uh, there's no jangly guitars. It's not this, power pop. This song is so soulful, and his yeah. vocals are so soulful. They're they're soulful, and then and then also gut wrenching at the same time. I mean, I just I uh, I probably listen to this song more than any song. I just would I'd listen to it. And go, guy, I want to listen to that again, and I'd hit I'd hit repeat and listen to it again. Yeah, I love I love this song. It's fantastic. This is another one where the guitar player supposedly had not or listened. To and the guitar is great on this song. Uh, guitar is amazing on this song. It, yeah. it's just, I don't know how he's getting some of those sounds out of it. Um, but I mean, just extemporaneous. It's just amazing. Like there that. is not a studio that I would like to visit more than you got to remember. Van Morrison is the producer. Yeah, and this is when you one. watch him with in front of a band, it doesn't look like he even knows their names or has ever talked to them before. And he probably hasn't ever talked to them before. But he's putting. I mean, all right, okay, you do that. You do that. And I don't know what his trick is, but he gets the best out of these guys and he does it in just a couple of takes. It's 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 a mystery to me. Yeah, that's why I could write his albums just get made in no time. You know, uh, even his later albums just get made in, you know, a lot of guys take a year to make an album. You know, yep, the opposite of, to, of uh, Born to Run or something. Yeah. <laughs> or and, probably uh, Peter Gabriel. Yeah, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, opposite of a Peter Gabriel album. <laughs> the uh, next song we got here is uh, Comfort You. I want to comfort you. This is probably the most straightforwardly lyrical album on the or song on the album. Yeah, um, I've got a question for Doug about this song. Doug, have anything in particular you want to say about the acoustic guitar on this song? It's wonderful. Really? I wish I had my inconsistency alarm because I would be blowing that at top volume right now. This uh, I don't have a problem with the guitar, but I don't know how you can say it um, isn't what you hate in guitar playing, which is just kind of laying something over the top of it. Lots of noodling that has very little to do with the substance of the song. You talk about hating that all the time. And I was listening to this and I kept thinking, Doug's got to feel the same way about this guitar playing, right? Uh, this is jazz, Tony. Oh, OK. <laughs> they get okay. different rules. Oh, do they? OK. Well, and it's not um, probably part of it is it's not amplified with effects. I'll have to listen to it with that in mind. That's just, not where I, I I did not expect to get the inconsistency. <laughs> I was about to I was about to create an alarm 
to disarm the inconsistency alarm because I was sure you were going to get me on lyrics that don't mean something. Well, I, um, I did bring that up, but you know, I, I don't know. I, um, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing that this is to me, this most intricate song on the album, it's in a three, four and, you know, three fours don't swing like six, eight does. And it, it's, that, that's screen. a slogan for a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> what did you see? Uh, did you see that thing on uh, the internet yesterday? What thing? Five, oh. five, four isn't Star Wars Day. It's Dave Brubeck Day. Oh, that's <laughs> hilarious. That's funny. So the strings really did have to be written out. They couldn't just, uh, and nobody could just swing on this one. It, it, it's it's much more. Um, uh, everybody would have to. The, the drummer would just not be able to play whatever the hell he wanted. It, it's a um, probably the most arranged song on on the album, and you can tell by the strings. I mean, the strings are very they're they're not as crazy on this one, and uh, they're still beautiful. I mean, I, he could almost just do this song with the strings by like a string quartet behind it, and I, there's not a big string section in this. In fact, I think there's only like four or five string players on the whole album. But um, his it almost sounds to me it's, it's this is going to sound really pretentious, but it, it, it almost has a Eleanor Rigsby type quality to me where it just could be his voice and strings. This reminds me of two other songs. One is Warm Love from Hard Nose the Highway. Look at the ivy on the old clanging wall. Look at the flowers and the green grass so tall. It's not a matter of when push comes to shove. It's just the hour on the wings of a dove. That's just warm love. It's just warm love. Yeah, it's the same kind of uh, gentle, yeah. sweet song. And the other is from uh, Wavelength, the jam. Hungry for your love? There it is, Bullseye. I'm hungry for your love. I'm hungry for your love. I'm hungry for your love, but I can wait now. I knew you weren't going to ask me that question. You'd turn it into something dirty and sexual. <laughs> Moving into the next song, number four <laughs> on side two, uh, Come Here, My Love. My young mind, I'm mystified, oh, by this mood. This melancholy. This is a pretty simple acoustic number. I do. This is what I want to say about this. It's my impression of someone who's not listened to this album as many times as you guys have. This song would be so uninteresting if Van Morrison wasn't singing it. I, I find I, it the most uninteresting songs he's ever written. But, I think but that, it's interesting because he's the only interest in it, really, the thing that gets this song above just being just mundane is that he's singing that he's singing on it because it's really not it's it, it's not a great song. No, it's a terrible song. It's it's one of those songs. Well, I, I shouldn't say it's a terrible song. I. I do not like this song. 
And I think that this would be like the kind of thing that in Animal House, if John <laughs> make there, you break a guitar, yeah, he would, he'd make you break the guitar. He, he he would get up and grab the guitar out of Van Morrison's hands and just break it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it, it, I'm gonna provide some. Song. I'm gonna provide some insight. Okay, lay it on us. Y- y'all know about the kitchen table test? No. All right. If a guy can sit down with a guitar and play a song and you can dig the song, it passes the kitchen table test. Only great songs can do that. This song does not pass <laughs> the kitchen table test. I'd be but getting up getting a beer. The, the atmosphere, and you're right about his voice. It would be hard for anyone else to pull this off. But you got the atmosphere and the background. And there, there is another genre of songs that uh, married men like I do not know about <laughs> that involve creating a mood to move things forward. Ah, uh, it might be yeah, stop being married. Um, well, I, I, uh, I never knew anything about this until just a day ago when it was reported to me by someone else who I have a poor opinion of. I've never used these techniques in my life. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a bunch of them in Van Morrison's music. I'm sure someday we're going to do Into the Music, which Mm -hmm. uh, the same guy told me was quite good for that. (laughs) I think Van Morrison has a a bit of a reputation. Yeah. For that. For that, yeah. When I was... When I was listening to this song, it just it, it seems like one of those songs that you would hear in one of those experimental movies, uh, not even really experimental, but just bad romantic tragedy movies where this this song would uh, play in the last at, at the, in the last 25 minutes of a yeah. romantic comedy, right? when the everything looks like it was going the right way and then there's the conflict that has 25 minutes to overcome uh yeah, and this exactly. song would 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 be right before the conflict happened i watched one of those movies um with my bride the other night and i had never seen it before but i was telling her everything that was going to happen <laughs> and she says you're lying. You have seen this before, but the that formula is so predictable. Yeah. I, I'm sure she appreciated that. She asked me well, not to watch movies with her anymore. Something <laughs> or, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's it's a song that a guy sings to a woman at her at the, you know, it, it by a fire, you know, and letting her know that he fancies her. You know, or on a there's stair- a lot of there's a lot of fuzzy camera work too. Yeah, exactly. or, or on the stairwell uh, at a frat house, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, then we've given enough enough attention to that song. Okay, the last song, the closer on the album, Country Fair. We stood and watched the railroad flow. We were too young to really know In the country fair Oh, in the country fair 
I love the way this one starts out. I, I, it's got that those faint high strings. I mean, I remember when I the first time I had this album, it was on cassette, and I never could figure out what the hell was going on for the first thirty seconds. And then uh, I love the 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 way that re- the recorder and the uh, guitar kind of join in, and and the and the song kind of starts. It it is a little bit meandering. It it does sort of. Um, I love this song. It reminds me of a little bit about what's coming up in. Uh, yeah. In a, a Irish. Um, Irish heartbeat. Heartbeat. I- it seems very reminiscent to me of Slim Slow Rider. On uh, Astro Weeks. Slim, slow slider. Horsey ride. And white as snow. Slim, slow slider. Yeah, the, the reason why I like this song is that it, like you were saying, Doug, it does seem like it's kind of foretelling of where he's gonna, where he's gonna go in the future. But it also has kind of this, he's still using the same techniques that he was using since Astral Weeks, and it it, it kind of is a jumping off point. And and that stand up bass is, oh uh, God, yeah. It's it's wonderful, but it's it's not that doesn't continue in the things we're talking about. It reminds me of Hindford Street too. Take me back. Take me way, way, way back. On Hindford Street. Where you could feel the silence at half past eleven on long summer nights. As the wireless played Radio Luxembourg and the voices whispered across Beachy River. In the quietness as we sank into restful slumber in the silence. Yeah, yeah. With that stream of consciousness. Uh, yeah. yeah. Which which I love. Um, I don't know what you call that. I guess that's slow rap. <laughs> <laughs> slow, I like the, I like the, slow, I really old like. white guy uh, rap. I really like the lyrics to this song, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the whole song just is very enrapturing. It's it's um, well, it's uh, it really captures that. From what I gathered from it, and maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to be one of these idiots who says he knows what the song's about. But to me, it really captures that kind of moment when you're looking back on a relationship that's no longer a relationship and realizing that there's all these fleeting moments that you. We're, we're fleeting and that you should have been in the moment and enjoying them and looking back on them, you realize that it's just, you know, that's, they're not there anymore. Um, that's anyway. a, that's a point that's made by a lot of people who know Van personally when talking about this album is that he's talking about things in Ireland that are disappearing. And uh, he is one of the most nostalgic, uh, songwriters. He's like, uh, Ray time. Davies. It is. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 missing that and that, that young love at a county fair. Yeah. That never ever will come back. All right, guys. Well, uh I guess that wraps it up for this week. Um JM, I think you have a uh recommendation for us this go around. 
I do have a recommendation this go around, and um, I'm not sure if I'm actually going to be turning on any of our listeners to anything new, but I recently read a, an article about this uh, podcast called Song Exploder, and I'm addicted to it. Um, it If you are interested in the recording and production process of of songs that you like i mean they they the premise is they take one song and they talk to the songwriter they talk to some of the instrumentalists and then they almost always make a point to talk to the producer and the engineers and they talk about how they uh built the song up from its demo until it was actually um, to right before it was mastered. And for guys like me, I find that fascinating. Um, and it's become fairly popular. And it, there's actually, they've gone on to uh, Netflix now. And I think there's eight, eight episodes on Netflix. I think they just went to Netflix this year. It's been around for about four or five years. Um, and a lot of the people that are that are the subjects and the songs that are subjects of this podcast, I don't know. Um, there's uh, like, but I my son recently turned me on to some guy uh, Tame and Paula, um, and I listened to that podcast, and that was kind of interesting what they were they were doing. But then there's also some guys like even going to Yo Yo Ma talking about doing the cello suites. Uh, which is one of my favorite recordings ever. Um, then there's one with Lindsey Buckingham talking about go your own go your own way, how they uh, built that song from the ground up. And one of the most interesting ones that I, I've heard is uh, John Carpenter, who, even though he's a master filmmaker in the horror genre, uh, he, he writes soundtracks does his own soundtrack so yeah. he talks about the halloween theme about how he came up with writing the halloween theme huh. uh, so anyway i highly recommend it if it, it's it's like i said it's addicting to me i'm even listening to stuff about songs i don't even know um yola tango's on there liz fair arcade fire the Killers, St. Vincent they they they're all on there so those are the guys that i know and there's a bunch of people that i don't Billy English, I don't know. Oh, REM's on there. So highly recommend it. Um, and it's like I said, it's out on Netflix. The second set of songs are out, or the second uh, four episodes are out on Netflix right now. They do them in four episodes each. Highly recommend it. Well, that makes me a little nervous. <laughs> Why is that? Well, obviously, we're headed for Netflix. Um, if podcasts <laughs> if podcasts can become series on Netflix, uh, I guess it's just a matter of time. I, I better work on my wardrobe. Well, that's it for tonight's show. Next week, we're going to be looking at one of the biggest albums from the late 70s, Blondie's Parallel Lines. Be sure and look us up on Facebook, and we're also on Instagram now, and we're on Twitter at tapping vinyl and of course you can email us at tapping vinyl at gmail.com please leave us a note a review or tell us what albums you'd like for us to look at in an upcoming episode and of course if you know anyone who likes music 
and the LP format, be sure and let them know about this podcast. We'd love to get the word out. For our host, Doug Cooper, our co-host, Tony Slagle, and me, your humble producer, Jonathan J.M. Rowe, this is Vinyl Tap, where all, all podcasts go to 11. And behalf of all of us here, fair play to you. Yeah, he, he, but on this whole album, he drops more uh, literary figures and in, uh, I guess, common one. Uh, he does yeah, what's in quite a bit, but, you know, he, and then uh, in the uh, um, yeah. what, what was yes, it uh, in uh, cleaning windows? He's got a uh, Jack Kerouac. Jack Kerouac and uh, God of Kerouac's on the road. And uh, what was the other one? Um, well, the book is Zen. Is it that, oh, um, that German that wrote the book of Zen that introduced Alan it to Watts. Westward. Yeah. No, well, Alan Watts is oh, on the yeah. album. Okay, anyway, for those, I, for those three, people that were for still those three listening. listeners we still have. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh,